Hey, welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox, where our mission is to equip and encourage local church worship leaders from around the globe. We're excited to have you here today for a conversation and interview with Grant Norsworthy, speaker, musician, worship leader, and mentor from New Zealand. We will join in this great conversation in just 30 seconds or so. Welcome today. So glad to have Grant Norsworthy with me on the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast. And so how are you doing, Grant? I'm doing really well. Thanks a lot, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so glad to. Setting up this podcast, my brain got boggled because uh, it's, you know, two o'clock here in the afternoon and you are in tomorrow already, 9 a.m. Yes, that's right. I, I'm, I, I lived in Nashville, Tennessee for 17 years and I'm born in Australia. That's where I'm from originally, but I, I'm now speaking to you from the future in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, just, so it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning for me and two o'clock yesterday for you but yeah. isn't that weird but we get used to it there you go yeah the world's revolving the dateline it's it's pretty amazing so i'm glad you're here we we uh connected i've, I've known about your name for a long time and then we i saw you at a, a worship conference and then um this fall i connected with you out of the blue sort of just asked you to be a part of the awakening worship conference and you were and appreciated your part in that and so i oh, thought to thought today we could just um talk a little bit uh further about worship ministry in general let people connect but sure first, and i think the exciting thing about this is both tim and, and i you like we together and we're passionate about the worship of god we're passionate about music as one of the ways of worshiping god and we're trying to use uh whatever skills that god has given us whatever experience god has given us to train others or to help others and so uh yeah if you're in that realm in some some form this is the right podcast you'll be listening to yeah that's good i love it so Fill us in a little bit about your background and um, where um, you know, the different uh, seasons of your life in a nutshell. So, Oh, golly. Okay. You got me talking about myself. That could be a problem. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, born in Melbourne, Australia and raised in the church, uh, rather Baptist uh, conservative leaning church, a very sort of straight up and down organ, piano, choir sort of music, but was playing uh, piano and brass instruments all through my growing up years and uh, my mum, she led choirs she played organ and piano um but i music never really uh connected with me all that much until i put all those instruments down and picked up a bass guitar at the end of high school and then rather than reading notation i started listening to music that i really enjoyed which was more rock and uh pretty quickly decided i, I want to have a career in music um that's tough to do in Melbourne, Australia. Now I was, I was a, even, even at that stage, I would say that I was a, a serious follower of Jesus. You know, I was committed to, to, uh, hoping, you know, whatever I was going to do, I wanted to, to bring glory to God. That's the language I would use now. I probably didn't know that language back then as a 19 year old, but yeah, just sort of started on that path, playing bass guitar in bands that were hopefully pointing people towards God. Um, original bands, um, bands that were, trying to lead people in church services and youth events and things like that. Uh, long story short, ended up forming a band called the Paul Coleman trio built around our lead singer, Paul Coleman, PC three. That was 98. Wow. Going back a long time. Uh, that band had a bunch of albums on the strength of the success of that band. We managed to relocate to Nashville, Tennessee in 2002. Um, and that was a more of a performance band. Certainly we were singing songs that were pointing towards God. And a lot of those songs were, even the lyrics were prayers to God, but we weren't putting the words on the screen. You know, we weren't asking people to sing every word of every song, just, just the hit song we might ask them to sing. You know, we were performances. Yeah. 
And when that band broke up, as bands do, I found myself playing bass guitar in Sonic Flood. Um, some people might remember Sonic Flood. They're a hugely successful band. Um, but I joined after they were hugely successful. Um, we still did a lot of touring, put out another album with that band. And now there was this contrast, you know, like all the songs were sort of prayer songs and the words about God are on the screens. And uh, I was being told now that I was in a worship band, quote unquote, that's what it was called. And I was like, ah, oh, this is the different, this is the different thing. I learned a lot during my three years playing bass guitar with that band. Um, when I finished with Sonic Flood, and that, this is uh, about the same time as my first son arrived, not me on my own, my wife, Brooke and I <laughs> started having kids. Uh, uh, Max is 13 now, but I realized that this being a bass guitarist, you know, sort of jumping in a van or a tour bus or a plane and flying around the place wasn't really the game for a, for a couple with kids. It's actually even tough on a marriage, by the way, if you're listening. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so from that time, so sort of like late 2007, I just started presenting myself to the Christian church as an independent speaker and teacher who could grab a guitar. I had a capo. I learned four chords. You know, I could, I could play some songs too. And uh, that's just developed over the years to now where I'm doing a thing called More Than Music Mentor, which I guess is similar to what you're doing with Harvest. You know, morethanmusicmentor.com is where you can find out about that. And it's providing online and on-site training for the heart and the art of worshipping musicians. I still do quite a bit of travel, but I do... Uh, I travel more so to speak at church services or events or conferences. And with COVID that's changed quite a bit to be more online yeah. and um, loving and grabbing opportunities like this. So yeah, I'm really passionate to help music be utilized more effectively by the Christian church as an expression of worship. That's awesome. So I know a lot of, that's, that's a great uh, summary right there. I appreciate you sharing that. And um, <laughs> if it wasn't too long, uh, I'm talking about myself too much. Sorry. 98 does not seem that long ago, but when you start talking about it, I guess it is back there but it's just funny because it's yeah so, so in your memory um so you do this just for the sake of people who might be interested in in ministry you do this full-time as far as more than a music mentor yeah more than music mentor i mean me as a speaker and a musician and i also advocate for children in poverty around the world in the united states that's through through compassion.com Mm -hmm. um, different in New Zealand, so that's through World Vision, just two great organizations who do things slightly differently and I love what they both do. Um, so yeah, uh, I, as, a, as an educator, as a teacher, I really feel like it's important that we give people a chance to respond to what we're trying to teach. You know, uh, I think one of the problems in the Christian church perhaps is that we hear a message that should change our lives, but then nothing is asked of us. You know, hmm, we just, yeah. we just leave and well, what's for lunch, you know, <laughs> what's on TV. We just, we just get on with our lives and it really should change something in us. So I love giving people a chance to respond to something. So yeah, full time, a speaker, a musician, a big part of that speaker and musician is more than music mentor. And I also advocate for children in need. Yeah. That's what I do full time. There's a, there's a little growing thing in me that, um, it's almost like um, there's like there's the the pecking order of the top of the line of ministry roles, and um, you know it's like if you're a pastor in a church and you're being effective, that there's like this cultural sense among you know the church that that's not enough. You need to write in a blog or write a book or go speak. I would hate for the cultural thing to be unless you're doing your own ministry somehow reaching the world that you're not effective as this this person in a church. So I just didn't know yeah. if you might have any thoughts about that as somebody who has, you know, 
spent a lot of their career, you know, being in the global church as opposed to the one church you're serving. Yeah. Look, I, I try to remind myself of, of some pretty basic fundamental things when we have this sort of discussion and, you know, I'm an Australian bass player, you know, so it's gotta be simple and we just have to, <laughs> we have to leave it to God to measure the heart. You know, we have to leave it to God to measure things that we people can't see. So um, the Bible tells us, I wish I had the verse to quote for you. I should, but um, you know, God looks on the inside, but we people, we look on the outside and yep. it's very, very easy for us to confuse success with significance. Hmm. You know, yep. I think a lot of us chase success when actually what we should be chasing is significance and it's not significance in a human sense, but significance in, in a kingdom of God sense. And maybe the person cleaning the toilets is actually more significant in the kingdom of God than the person with the, with the million selling album. Hmm. You know, maybe. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's just a worthy way of thinking about it. I think, you know, yeah, we good. can't look at any, any earthly thing and go, that is an indication that I am important and yeah. I am doing something that's really good. No, I don't care whether it's how many people are in your church building on a Sunday morning, how many people received Christ, how many healings you had, how many people raised their hands, you know, like that, all those things can be good, but we must not be getting our sense of worth from any earthly thing. We should be getting yeah. our sense of worth from the cross of Christ. That's true. That's good. And, that's a, that's a die to live thing. You know, I, I want to be significant and I'd rather be significant in one or two people's lives than successful in the eyes of millions. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Really but then there's part of me that wants, wants the, uh, wants the success as well. You know, <laughs> well, it seems like you're always, always, people are always fighting yeah. that, but I just, I just think there's a lot of people who, you know, they're being faithful to do what they need to do and they, and they don't need to go off and, record this or write this or do that. They can, you know, have significance where they're at doing what they're doing with the people they're doing it for. And Absolutely. So Absolutely. Yeah. Just, uh, that's one of the cool things about what I, what I found with, um, you know, the pandemic here in 2020 is that I would prefer to do the sort of training that I do in person, actually be there in the room, but it was only bigger churches and bigger events that could afford to bring me, you know, with their travel. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm, I'm doing more and more of the training just online, like zoom calls and, stuff like that. I'm, I'm very happy to help anybody, you know, little tiny clunky yeah. church at 54 people. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's set up a zoom call. Let me have a watch a video of your service. Yeah. I'll, I'll give a few tips there. Yeah, huh. for sure. That's I'll give you some actionable points and uh, it doesn't have to be only the, the cashed up church or event that can have me involved. Yeah. I love it. That, that really is a, a change. It'll probably, it'll probably stick. So I think so. Uh, I don't know that we're going to go back. Yeah. You know, not entirely to the, got to travel to, to be there. Yeah. It'll be, it may go back to, it'll definitely probably, there'll be this and that, that you go, go do the old way. And then there'll be a whole bunch of people are looking to the new way. And yeah. it's funny I'd because still love to, I'd still prefer to be in the room, but it's not always possible. You know. That's why, that's why I think 2020 has actually been a great year. You know, it's very easy for it to say 2020 has been a really bad, tough year. And I guess, you know, granted, I've been in New Zealand <laughs> where we have been insulated from a lot of the trouble that the United States is uh, experiencing. Yep. But I feel like, wow, we have had to find ways of doing what we do and finding ways of pointing people towards God with all these changes happening. 
You know, that's yeah. why I got really excited about the virtual choir stuff that I, I started seeing in the, on the internet early this year. Yeah, I, I was going to ask about that because that was really awesome. So The Blessing is a song you recorded. And I don't know if you recorded it or tell us just about that because I saw the video of just, you know, multitudes of people singing and playing instruments and putting it all together. I mean, it's just Yeah, well, I'm hoping some of your listeners to this podcast have been aware that in 2020, a whole lot of virtual choir videos have been coming out. Now, virtual choirs are just a bunch of different singers who have videoed themselves singing a particular song individually. And without ever meeting in the same room together, all those videos have been sent to a central, I don't know, Dropbox or, you know, Google drive or whatever. And someone's brought them all together in an editing and mixing process and released a video to Facebook and YouTube typically. And um, these, these virtual choir videos have been around for, I don't know, 10 years or more. But it's only in 2020 with the pandemic where the Christian church has grabbed this idea because with restrictions on gatherings and things like that, we haven't been able to be in the same room singing worshipfully to God, you know? And I love this, that, well, we can't do it physically. Let's do it virtually. You know, let's, let's still find a way of singing together. So uh, the blessing is a song that actually came out, came out of Elevation Church early in 2020 and then Pittsburgh uh, Pennsylvania, a bunch of different church leaders across there. And I don't know the story of it exactly, but they decided to do a virtual choir video singing the song, the blessing and the lyric of the song. If you're not familiar with it, just sort of sings these, this uh, passage from numbers, uh, which is a benediction that many of us in the Christian church know well, because it was usually said at the end of our services, you know, may the Lord mm-hmm. bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And, I saw the UK blessing and decided, wow, this is really taking off. Then I saw one from South Africa and Malaysia and Canada and New York city and Hawaii and uh, the Bay area. And there's, there's, there's probably about, I've seen more than 50 virtual choir videos of people of the Christian faith singing the blessing together. And uh, if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and do a search. Um, So I decided to see if New Zealand was making one, my new home, you know, I'd only been living in the country for about a year and um, no one was really doing one on a national level. So I just worked, <laughs> worked myself to the bone for three months uh, and got a lot of help from some great people and put out the virtual, uh, virtual choir video from New Zealand. We call it the Blessing Aotearoa, which is the Maori or the first people's name for New Zealand. The Blessing Aotearoa slash New Zealand. And we just got to 500,000 views yesterday. Huh. And... Um, I should not be getting my sense of uh, significance from a number like 500,000 views of a YouTube video. But I tell you what, it feels good that people are connecting with this idea of people of the Christian faith who are very, very different from one another, yeah. you know, different skin color, different ethnicity, different denominations, different age, different, different coolness levels, different vocal abilities, you know, all getting together because we want to sing God's words of blessing during a really rough year. I love it, especially because, I don't know, if you look at social media, this idea of being blessed is, oh, I, think, I think we're turning into something way, way less than it's supposed to be. Oh, my children are so well behaved, blessed. You know, hashtag blessed, have you seen this? I bought a new car, hashtag blessed. I got a promotion, hashtag blessed. Oh, we're selling this idea of the blessing of God way short if we think being blessed is simply when things go well for me. Yeah. Um, hmm. And the thing I got from the this people singing the blessing in these uh, virtual choir videos is that we're realizing that being, being a blessing is actually more important, you know, 
people who are wanting to be more of a pipe rather than a container for God's blessing. That's why I love that song. And that's why I love uh, being involved in the blessing Aotearoa New Zealand, because here's the Christian church wanting to be a conduit through which God's blessing flows. We want everyone to watch our video and we're going to declare God's words from the Bible that, yeah. that God is for you and not against you. And it might feel like things are against you right now, but God is for you. And I'm being amazed by it. the comments and stuff, people from outside the Christian church, you know, my brother-in-law who doesn't connect with the Christian church, um, he loves that video. He's sharing it with all his, you know, yeah, all, all, all his friends and they, they all seem to love it. You know, people saying, I, I don't really know anything about Christianity, but I love your song. What's going on here? Huh. And that's to me is, God's blessing flowing through it. It's exciting. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome too. I'll, I'll make sure we attach that for anybody who's listening and hasn't seen it, but uh, it is a good song. We, we sang it on Sunday at church. So that took, how long did it take to make that? I know it's probably hard timeline, but. Well, I thought it'd take about three weeks uh, and I thought I'd maybe get 30 video submissions because uh, you know, I, I was newly in the country, didn't really know many people, um, but I wanted to know them. So I thought this would be a good way to do it. But we ended up getting uh, submissions from over 200 people and it ended up taking three months. And there were a bunch of bumps in the road along the way, usually of a technical kind. Uh, but we were also really very trying to be very intentional about integrating Te Reo Māori, which is the first people's language. We wanted to have uh, New Zealand sign language in our video. We, we were yeah. looking to try and have it be a representation of the Christian Church of New Zealand that, that didn't wave our differences as like a flag, you know, but just very intentionally showed that we are a very varied bunch who all agree that we want to sing uh, God's blessing together. Yeah. And uh, I think that's probably the best thing about it. You know, it's not, it's not the great vocal performances, even though there are some great vocal performances, it's not the great song, even though it is a great song. And we replaced the drums and bass, you know, from elevations version with our own Kiwi drums and bass and keyboards and, electric guitars and all that stuff but what it actually is is um wow here's a bunch of people who are really different from one another who will agree on this so that, uh, this idea of being a blessing that's what's yeah. cool about it what is some of what you described as like how music is one of the unifiers how does it play into oh, the yeah. church i just had this strong belief that um music is a gift from god and like all of his gifts and we could say that you know beautiful scenery is a gift of god you know uh the, the stars in the sky are a gift from god you know like i believe god created everything maybe that makes me weird i don't know but i, I just believe god created everything uh, i wouldn't mind betting that most of your listeners would agree with that but um so i see music as a gift from god and like all his gifts this gift is given to help us know him better and know each other better get along with each other better Yep. And uh, it seems to me that we humans have this tendency to take a good thing and pervert it, you know, use it for other purposes than God's intended reason. Um, music's no different, even music within the church. So when I grow up, there was this incredible tension between the people who loved keyboard driven organ, piano, choir music, maybe orchestra, and those who wanted to have drums, bass, electric guitar, and a little bit more syncopation. You know, um, they called it the worship wars, quote unquote. You know, I remember a, an old lady coming up to me in my Baptist church and going, 
like we tried as this little youth band. We must have sounded horrible, you know. <laughs> we tried our best, but we presented these songs that we'd heard at youth events from going going away from our home church and coming back and trying to bring some of those songs and some of that instrumentation. And the only PA we had in the room was a, a pair of Bose eight hundred twos hanging from the ceiling. Which, uh, if you're not in the know, that's just a little sound system suitable for the spoken voice, not for a rock band. You know, it's yeah. just not going to work. And we had bass, drums, electric guitar, brass line. The whole kit and caboodle, five singers, must have sounded horrible, but we tried. And this lady came right up to my face after the first service and said, Grant, that was not worshipful. You know, and I, as a 19 year old kid, I didn't know what to do with that. Huh. But that was the end of the conversation. You know, like, there's, what do you say to that? But if she had said, um, I didn't know those songs. It didn't sound very good. It hurt my ears. It was too loud. Then they're, they're sort of things that we can talk about. But when she says that's not worshipful, she's actually given herself uh, the right to decide what God finds worshipful and what he doesn't. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And so the language was actually the bigger problem. Not that she didn't like the band that I tried to put together. You know, I did my best. Um, so yeah, since those days, I think, I mean, when someone decided, uh, well, let me put it this way. If, if there'd never been any change in church music over our history, we'd still be singing only in Latin using five notes, only male voices in unison. Yeah. You know, that's true. At every change, someone's got really upset and said, that's not worshipful. Let's add an organ. That's not worshipful. Let's have female voices. That's not worshipful. Let's have harmony. That is not worshipful. You know, and, and people have always done the same mistake that Cain and Abel made, I think. You know, my worship is better than your worship. Hmm. And this is really reassuring to me that, you know, we don't get to decide what God finds worshipful. Yep. Especially when it comes to something like music. So True. for me, it's this idea of, look, Let's just, let's just agree that God will decide what's worshipful and what's not. Now, let's focus on getting a group of people singing songs that are actually prayers to him, that are truth to him, that are praises of God towards him. That, that for me, is my objective. Uh, I want to get whatever congregation I'm in front of to sing, whatever people I'm in front of. So with the blessing video, you're right. It's, it's sort of easier. I didn't say you need to answer this theological questionnaire before I accept your video. Yep. <laughs> How ridiculous was that? It would, there's people in the, the blessing video who would vehemently disagree with each other on some aspects of theology or how to interpret particular passages from the Bible. Okay. You disagree on that, but we're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to sing this song together. Will you sing it? Yes, I will. Fantastic. Great. And I'm going to put you in a video next to someone who's a Catholic and someone who's the Seventh-day Adventist and someone who's a Pentecostal and someone who's an Anglican and someone who's like straight up and down Baptist and someone who's like fringy, but has this sense that God loves them and Jesus is real. You know, I just said, this is the Christian church coming together to sing these words that are from the Bible together. Will you do it? And then we get this picture of unity because we, just sang together you yep. know and yeah, there's the uh so, the, it's, the, so, it's such a, it's a freeing thing you know there's one saint somewhere way back there had the quote he who sings prays twice and i don't remember well, I like who that. said that but uh just the idea that singing not only you know connects you to words in a logical sense it also connects you to this heart kind of like 
eternal, you know, kind of different sense. Yeah. Both of those together are really powerful. Yeah. And it's, it's really sad to me that, you know, there are still a lot of tensions that may not necessarily right now in 2020 be for most of us anyway, about whether the songs are old or whether they're new, there's other battles, you know, like I've found that some people prefer singing deep, correct, wordy theology in their songs. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's other people who are like, sing it till you feel it, sing it till you feel it, singing simpler refrain, refrains over and over again and, and sort of getting into almost a, a uh, but I don't want to say a trance because that has negative connotations, but people who want to feel this singing just the name Jesus, Jesus over again or something simple like that. Yeah. And um, I'm a fan of both of those. It's not an either or, it's a both and. You know, for me, it is. and there's other different lines. You know, I actually had the opportunity to form a band for a, a three night sort of outreach event this last weekend here in New Zealand. And I was asked by an area's pastors, one of them, a couple of them very Pentecostal, one of them very straight up and down Baptist, another one very Anglican, another very, you know, like all different pastors who have decided to come together and have this outreach event all the different churches of a particular region. And they've asked me to form the band because I don't align with any of those particular denominations too hard. I'm very intentionally trying to be a minister of reconciliation. And Mm. I knew that there'd be people from all those different congregations coming to these events. And we were inviting people who were nothing to do with the Christian church to attend as well. So I'm very carefully choosing the songs and how we're going to present them. And I form a band, you know, one or two people from the Pentecostals, one or two people from the Baptists, one or two people from the Anglicans, one a person from the Presbyterian, whatever, pull them all together. And, and there was some tension, you know, some people saying, no, no, you've got to let it be more free. You know, you've got, don't, don't, don't tell us exactly what to play here because if you do that, you're stifling the Holy spirit. You know, you've got to let, got to let the Holy spirit. And it's like, I really do understand what you're saying, but that's your context this context for these three nights, there's people who have nothing to do with the Christian church. We're going to focus on getting them singing songs, hopefully songs they know. And if they don't know them, simple enough for them to learn them. And we're not going to go off in some quote unquote spirit led jam session because you think that's more worshipful. I think it can be more worshipful in a particular context and setting, but also it can be very worshipful to play the song, simple, straight, inviting for, all different sorts of people in the right key the with the right in the right key with the right set in the right key yeah the group to sing <laughs> yeah get the people singing rather than choosing a key for the leading vocalist and having people enthralled by the sound of the leader's voice yeah we're going to choose a key where every man woman and child can sing it that's our focus i'm not saying you're wrong to choose the key for your leading vocalist in your context go for it but that's not the objective here and please don't tell me that one way is more worshipful than another. Well, let's leave it to God to decide that. Yeah. And I've, I've been in those, that's, that's all great stuff. And I've been in those settings where I think music is also a gift and that's a awesome way to look at it and a unifier and a, a communication tool. I mean, it's an opportunity to you know sing to the Lord, but it's also a tool in general. I mean, like if we're going to help people worship, then we've got to be willing to, you know, as one person one time said it, it was sing what's in the heart of the people. And so allow them to respond. And is just like the key, you can't pick songs based on your preference of, you know, the newest song or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the 
requirement is for what you're thinking is going to be the best. Yeah. It's got to be, you know, with the people in mind, the congregation in mind. And, um, that, that just really, that leads to a lot of things. One being that the worship team often will have, um, you know, sing the song like 12 times before the congregation ever hears it. And then about, you know, four months later, they're totally done with it. And the congregation's only done it three times. <laughs> so it's just, it's a right. kind of sacrifice to be the leader and say, we're going to help do that. But, um, I also wanted to get to two things. One was the, the whole idea of preference. I think like what you said is right on what, what people are, um, you know, the, the Christian, the church, the preference needs to not be based around which style, if it's more cerebral music or if it's more, you know, emotional based or whatever the definitions are. But mm-hmm. um, really the preference needs to be around the reaching people for the gospel. I mean, like the heart of God in terms of, you know, pulling people in. Almost every musical ensemble that you can think of, and I've been a lot of different ones, you, there's a particular uh, response from the crowd, the audience or the congregation, as the case may be, that you're looking for to know whether you've done a good job or not. You know, like um, if you're playing in a funky disco sort of band, then you're hoping the dance floor is filled, right? You know, people jump on the dance floor and I should be saying dance for you, shouldn't I? Yeah. But anyway. Uh, you'll know you, if people are all, if people are not on the dance floor and you're in a funky dance band, you know, you're not doing well, but if they fill the dance floor and they're dancing, you've done a good job. A heavy metal band, you want people pushed up to the stage, head banging with their fists in the air. You know, you've done a good job if that's happening in a mm-hmm. wedding reception band. We want people talking over our music during the meal. Yep. They're happy and chatting. We're providing this background atmosphere. We're doing a good job. But then when it comes for the bridal dance, dance, we want that to happen. And then we want the dance floor filled at the end of the evening. We want the bride's, the bride's father and mother to be really happy. That's how we'll know we've done a good job. Well, in church music, our music for an, as an expression of worship, we don't have that agreed observable goal, in my opinion. You know, people are all tugging in different directions. Because yep. if you say to a team of musicians, typical t- team of musicians, we've got to play music so that God is worshipped. That means multiple different things to different people. <laughs> even in the same church building, you know, even in the same band. Or they actually think, well, it better be this then. Or they don't know what it means. I've got no idea what to do with that. So I, I like to say this, and it's, it's helped me a lot. Um, look, we definitely want God to be worshipped through what we play and sing here. But we also want God to be worshipped by all of us as a living sacrifice. And that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year and 366 on a leap year. So let's understand these songs that we're going to present today are woven into a life surrendered in worship. We definitely want God to be worshipped. Absolutely. Uh, So within that context, what's a measurable goal that we're looking for? What's, what's something that we can all agree on? And I love to focus on what you've just said, you know, get the congregation singing. Then I don't have to have an argument with someone about the key choice, you know, but I want it in this key because it helps my voice sound great. Oh, but we've agreed that we want to get the congregation singing and the men won't sing it with you in that key. Not, not a single one of them, tenor guy, will sing that song in that key with you. Yep. Only the women will be singing on the same note as you. And we want everyone singing. So I'm sorry, you got to like, but here's the thing. If you've got a great high voice, sing a song and perform it Uh and do that as an expression of worship. 
you know, and we don't get to decide whether it was more or less worshipful. I would, however, say that the Bible does tell us to sing together and the Bible I've not found where it says, listen to a great soloist. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. So there's so, a, there's, it's all about context. You know, I'm not here to say that Chris Tomlin chooses the wrong keys. He chooses the right keys for his context. Hillsong choose the right keys for their context. In my, how can I judge? Yeah. But they are blurring the lines between concert performance and congregational singing. I think they're doing it intentionally. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I think God can be into a, a big show. But if you are in the trenches, week in, week out, trying to lead your home congregation, you better have a different goal than giving people a great show every week. Mm-hmm. You've got to get them singing every week, singing good truth words that are prayers, praises of God. Get them singing those words together. And I would actually call that the higher joy that's possible through music. Not yeah. singing and playing in a way that satisfies you, not the songs you like and the key you like with the instrumentation you like. I've been pretty good at that. I've actually got some awards for doing that really well. But what's actually more fun is getting out of the way, not making it about my preferences and doing whatever it takes to get my congregation singing prayers to God. Yeah, more that's, fun. That is good. And I, um, I know some of the, uh, some of the teaching you did for this, this uh, worship conference was around some of that. And I've thought about that ever since you mentioned that idea that the, the measure, the measurable goal being something that everybody can actually look at and see and know and, and, and understand yep. if it's working or not. And then the undergirding of conversations that that helps with. And, you know, absolutely. You know, volume we, we of, agree on what drummer, the goal is. Whatever. Yeah. We agree on what the goal is. Then the what and the how get a lot easier. You know, if we know what our why is, why are we having these songs? Why do we mix? Why do we have a PA? Why do we have screens with words on them? Because we want to get the congregation singing these songs. So then you can have, you know, 62 year old lady in the, in the third row, Joe, the plumber in the back row, senior pastor, mix engineer, projectionist, singers and instrumentalists. We all need to understand what the goal is. Make it absolutely clear. Yes. We want God to be worshiped, but in a human, on a human level, musical, technical level, what we want is the people to be singing. And so when a drummer is playing too loud or too busy, I don't have to say, I don't like your loud, busy drumming. I just say, Hey, that would work in a different context. I'm sure. But right now we're trying to get the congregation singing and uh, have a listen to it. Now you'll find that what you're playing is actually cutting across the rhythm and it's actually hurting our ears. Uh, Do you think that'll help the congregation sing better? No, it won't. Yeah, I agree. So That's what we need, man. That'll help. Let's test that. Oh, that was so much better. Thank you so much, drummer. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You've got to have that agreed goal before that. You know, you you don't want people taking in different directions to one another. Yeah, that is awesome. In our, in our weird world here right now, at least in our state, we can't, we're not supposed to sing in church. We're supposed to like keep our mouths closed and not, you know, do whatever. And one of the interesting things I found, so I'm looking forward to a time. But people are gathering, are they? They're definitely, they're definitely coming together in small groups, basically. I mean, there's, there's levels of stringentness of the rules and we're in a a pretty high level state as far as rules go. And of the state, we're in a high level metro area. And so Mm. it just seems like we've got uh, more rules, but people are gathering. And one thing I've noticed, I'm looking forward to implementing some of these things when we get done with all this, being able to say, Hey, we're singing again. And, and when we did outdoor worship for our church 
for, you know, 16 weeks, people were so happy just to, to sing. And we're actually even trying Christmas Eve outdoors, even if it is going to be cold, just for that very reason, <laughs> just so people can, you know, yeah. sing in their cars or sing outside bundled up. But one of the things yeah, that, um, that I've noticed is we've basically the last few weeks just taken this opportunity to say there's other ways to worship too. I mean, like we're going to practice all these other things that usually we don't do because everybody's just pretty used to just singing. And so we've just said, here, we're, we're going to make sure you guys, you know, if you, if you have trouble yeah. clapping and singing, now's the time to learn how to clap. <laughs> so we've just been pushing on that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, yeah. I really don't like the, the uh, overuse of the word worship connected too closely to our church music. That's actually a really recent invention. Mm-hmm. It's only about 40, 50 years old. Uh, you know, worship band, worship leader, worship song, worship, even things like worship service, like the event of worship yeah. is older. Um, yeah, that's true. But yeah, the word worship in the Bible is a verb, you know, you do it. Yep. It's not a, it's not a genre of music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's definitely. Yeah. True. I'm really hoping that, that COVID-19 in 2020, or I hope it doesn't slip too far into 2021. I guess we'll find out. But I really hope that uh, this is a chance to hit the reset button you know, on what we've been doing with music for people like you and me, Tim, and people who are listening to this podcast. Yes. We've had all these restrictions and like some people aren't able to sing at all. Some people aren't able to gather. Some people are only gathering outside. I, I think we're actually at a fork in the road as, as a church. I think people will either go, you know what? I didn't really miss that gathering in the room together and singing together very much. I'm just going to stay at home now. In fact, why would I watch my own church's stream service? I might as well watch someone who's really good at it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then like people, people watching their phones for a stream service or, you know, sitting in a congregation where they're not allowed to sing. I, I hope the, the other fork in the road that, that people will take will be like, oh, I really missed gathering with, with other people of my church family. I really miss singing worshipfully towards God. I really miss singing these prayers to him and singing these praises of him. And I hope that it's we musicians and singers, people who are involved in music and the technicians, I would say, would take this chance to go, all right, we let a few things slip in that were kind of performancey and not really inviting the congregation to engage. Let's leave those things out. And now when we come back, let's really double down our, our, our focus and our intentionality on getting the congregation singing. Let's choose songs so that they sing. Let's choose keys so that they sing. Let's choose instrumentation so they sing. Let's, let's project our lyrics so they sing. Let's mix in this room the audio so they are most likely to sing. Yeah. Do it ra- rather than, well, I like it this way. Well, I don't care what you like. I want it this way. You know, like, no, that's, that has no place here. Well, that is, there, there's several awesome things that we just uh, covered in this, uh, this session here. I'm looking forward to pulling those out and wow. getting everybody Thanks, Tim. on board. I appreciate your time of doing this. If people did connect with you on this uh, More Than Music Mentor, what is mm. like a couple of those things that offers to people? How does that like, how does it, how does it help worship leaders in the church? Yeah, well, um, I... If you're interested to find out a bit more about what I do, then I realize you, we'd need to know each other first, you know, so reach out to me. Um, I've got a Facebook page, you know, Grant Norsworthy, G-R-A-N-T-N-O-R-S-W-O-R-T-H-Y. Tough for Americans because I'm actually saying Grant Norsworthy. That's my <laughs> fake American accent. Um, so there's grantnorsworthy.com, morethanmusicmentor.com. 
the emails, the email address, the phone numbers, um, they're all for real. They'll come through to me and let's get to know each other a little, but you might want to uh, engage me to do some zoom calls. You might want to engage me to do what I call remote coach. And when things settle down, as far as COVID goes, you might even want to have me come and do some in the room on site training. But first, let's get to know each other. No, no effective ministry partnership happens out of anything except relationship. The only reason why Tim and I are talking is because we've got to know each other over five years or so. Um, the only reason why he's had me on, my po on his podcast is because he trusts that I'm going to say some not, not stupid things. <laughs> so, so, yeah, reach out to me. But there, it's actually a lot of the stuff I would love to share with you are actually really, really simple it's, and easy. And I'm not going to weigh you down with like, heavy, heavy stuff. Yep. You know, I feel like I've got things that I could offer you that are actually, Oh, I could do that. I call them forehead slappers, you know? Oh, yeah. of course. <laughs> Choose the key like that. Wow. Yeah. And once you've done it once, you never go back. Right, Tim. Once you've chosen yep. a key for the congregation, it's tough to go back. Cause you go, Oh, I miss the people singing. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> if you've never tried it, you don't know. You might think your congregation is fully engaged now. Hmm. choosing the keys the way you want to, but I don't think you've tried the other way yet. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a that, shot and then blow it out of the water if you still want to, but I don't think you will. That is, that is awesome. Yeah. Well, connect, connect with me, find me online. It's a, it's a small world on, on the internet, really find me and let's, let's start a conversation. Look forward to hearing from you. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate your time on the worship leader toolbox and I'm happy and excited to share this with, with uh, everybody that we're connected to and the, the hopefully growing group. And uh, even if it's just one or two that get a lot out of this, that's awesome too. I, I know I have. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yep. See you later. Bye. Wasn't that great? I appreciate you, Grant, being a part of the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast with us today. And it's been great to visit. Here's just a couple of the quotes that I wanted to pull out here. One is that one of the problems in the Christian church is that we hear a message that should change our lives, but nothing is ever asked of us. That's a good reminder that we need to ask people and challenge people to respond to the message and to worship. And another one is that uh, another concept here, a couple of them, that we leave it to God to measure the heart. We don't have to worry about uh, you know, all those things. God looks on the inside and we can only see the outside. And then this possibility of confusing success with significance and um, just how we need to be defined by what God says and not what the world says. One thing that's probably stuck with me the most since this has been this measurable goal that we determined together as a worship team from the computer presentation to the production, lighting and sound down to the instrumentation and, and people who are singing. The main goal should be to get the congregation engaged in singing. And so if they're singing, then it's working. And if they're not, then we need to take a look and tweak something. So um, that's been great, and it's a practical thing to, to put together. So if you uh, haven't gotten a chance, be sure to take a look at um, Grant's uh, social media page to see the video of The Blessing out of New Zealand. And it's a virtual choir, and it's just really cool to see and to watch. And then I also just want to encourage you, if you haven't gotten a chance, um, Grant's presentation during the worship conference um, is still available on the worship conference tab on worshipleadertoolbox.com. And so once you get in there, then that's the first video, along with 10 or 12 other short, quick, practical worship leading videos. We'd love to have you join up with that. 
So once again, thank you for being a part of the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast. So thankful to have you and blessings on your ministry. Thank you.